And so what I did is I just combined the two together and we're going to talk tonight about the faith of Joseph and Mary. The faith of Joseph and Mary. And uh, the interesting thing about the approach we're going to take tonight is we're going to look at their lives. And, and you might say, well, th- those are some really <laughs> hardly ordinary lives. But, but you know what? When, when they started out be before, before those special events took place, it was pretty ordinary. Uh, Nazareth was not a blooming metropolis <laughs> a booming metropolis, not blooming either, <laughs> not booming or blooming. And, and uh, uh, you, you know, it was just a, a quiet little place on the hillside, so to speak, and not a whole lot of action going on. As a matter of fact, Nazareth even had a reputation uh, where, where you see Nathaniel, who uh, became a follower of Jesus over in John chapter one, having an attitude about Nazareth and people from Nazareth. When he heard that this Jesus guy, this new prophet in town was from Nazareth, he said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? (laughs) And the answer to him was, come and see. And I'm glad for the day when somebody said to me, come and see. And we came and, and saw for ourselves and tasted for ourselves that the Lord is good. Found out for ourselves. You know, you could hear somebody else's story and that's great. But when you get your own story, ah, yeah, ain't nobody taking it away from you. And and, uh, uh, there are some really key things that I believe can be very helpful to us and very encouraging to us. And and, I mean, it's it's not rocket science. This is not going to be scriptural rocket science tonight. This is going to be just some good meat and taters. But I tell you, it's, it's the stuff that you get it inside of you. You get a hold of it. You are just ready to fly like a rocket when you get a hold of it. Amen. Praise God. So let's go ahead and dig into this. Why don't you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1? And uh, we'll start looking at some of the scripture and some of the things that, uh, that I believe the Lord wants us to see tonight. Glory to God. Matthew 1. And then uh, uh, we'll look at verse 18 and 19. And it says this, by the way, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Y'all knew that. If you didn't, then now you know. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, And not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now, it's interesting that when Joseph found out what was going on, and Joseph knew he wasn't the baby's daddy, you know what I'm saying? The the scripture says here, he was a just man. And that is very significant when it comes to a faith walk. Why? Because the Bible says, in I believe four different places, the just shall live by faith. So this is very significant that God would call a just man to go on this kind of journey because it was going to take some faith. (laughs) It's going to take some faith to 
you know, uh, uh, go ahead and drop everything and, and do this and do that and some of the things we're going to see that, that he was instructed to do and just got up and did it. It's going to take some faith to do those kind of things. But the very first thing that God was looking for was the fact that he was a just man. We might say that he was a righteous man. Now for us, as New Testament believers, we understand this, that the idea of being just or justified or the idea of being righteous is not something that you can just put on yourself. It's not something you can give yourself. It's not something that you can promote yourself to. It is a free gift that comes from Almighty God based on the fact that you have placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus. So we know how we get to be, to have this status of being just or being righteous is not because of how cute you are or how talented you are or any other reason or, or how much of a goody two shoes you've been. Because here's the thing, if, if you messed up your nice little neat manner of living one time, you messed up one too many times. You've fallen short of the, the, the standard, which is perfection. But thank God that there's a perfect one, <laughs> a sinless one, who came in our stead, in our place, as our substitute to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Can I wave at somebody tonight? Hallelujah. That's the best news going. Amen. So, Understand this, that you, as a person who's just, justified in the sight of God, as a person who's righteous, you are in the right place to be able to live this kind of life called the faith life. Because faith is based and built upon this relationship status that we have with God. And it's not a status that is earned, it is a status freely given, but it's freely given by faith. So it's interesting, it takes faith to get the status, but then once you got the status, you go ahead and keep on living by faith. You know, you, you got faith to get in, and then once you're in, you're living that way. And so we see this connection between being just or righteous and living by faith. How many just and righteous people are here tonight? And you might want to say, well, I don't know if I can say that about myself. But hey, you can if you realize this. You can't give it to you. You didn't give it to you. This is something you got as a free gift if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And therefore, what happens is that you put your faith in him and he changes your nature. And now you have inside of you what's called uh, by Peter in his epistle, the divine nature. That means now it's natural for you to act like God. And now God's expectation of somebody who's been given this gift of righteousness is to go ahead and act righteously. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah we, we still do the holy living thing, you know. We ain't taking that chapter out of our Bible. As a matter of fact, we highlight it even more because God's given us the capability to live that kind of life. Praise his holy name. And another thing that we see as we go on, and uh, 
uh, and, and look at Joseph and Mary and, and the sign of their faith is you see that they obey immediately. Someone say immediately. You know, it's not like you go getting some direction or something from the Lord and say, all right, Lord, I got to pray about that. It's like, yeah, who are you going to pray to about that? You don't got nobody else to go to. If you know it's me, you either do it or you are disobeying me. So <laughs> you can't pray about something God tells you. You just got to do it. And so we see immediate obedience. Luke 1, 39 through 40. Check this out. Look at Mary's approach. When, when the angel appeared to Mary and, and, and told her that, that about her cousin Elizabeth and that Elizabeth was already pregnant with the, the prophet who was going to be the forerunner for the Lord Jesus. Now verse 39, it says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. That means she was hurrying up to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. So you see, she did this not kind of moseying on around or, or, or fixing, like, you know, southern folks say, I'm fixing to do something. That means I'm thinking about working on getting around to it. You know, that's what fixing means. <laughs> Mac, does it mean that in Arkansas too? Oh, yeah, I have a witness. Come on, man. <laughs> But, but, but here's the thing. She wasn't fixing to do it or thinking about doing it. She was making haste to do it. She was hurrying up to do it. Look at this, Matthew 1, 24. Right after Joseph had the angel appear to him in a dream and said, Hey, it's all right. Your wife, your fiance has not been messing around on you. She's with child by the Holy Ghost. And what happens? Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. That means he... He had, the, uh, had that dream, had that visitation of the angel, got up, and did what the angel told him to do. This is not complicated. Hey, hallelujah. Matthew 2, 13 to 14. says, now, <coughs> now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in the dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. So how quickly did Joseph do this? If he got the direction while he was sleeping, then he woke up and then he did it. Did you hear what I said? That's called immediate obedience. If he got the instruction while he was sleeping, and in and, and both cases here, you, you, you see that he, he had a dream, you know, or a night vision. He got up, and he did the very instructions he was given. Now let's take a look a little further, just in case you didn't get it yet. Just in case I didn't get it yet. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, so here we go. Matthew 2, 19 through 22, where it says, Now when Herod was dead... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. Don't you love that pattern? You know, he heard it, he got up and he did it. Now, 22. But when he heard that our Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. 
And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. So a warning from God, he was going to go this way. A warning from God, we're going to turn aside. We're going to take a different route because God gave a warning. Immediate obedience. Hallelujah. So besides being uh, one who obeys immediately, to go ahead and, and have the faith life working for us that Joseph and Mary had working for them. By the way, you like my models here? <laughs> yeah. The, the, that, that's not like 2,000 years old or anything, just to, to let you know. <laughs> but, but besides obeying immediately, you also have to obey thoroughly. That means you go ahead and follow it out as it was given you without leaving out any of the details. You see a beautiful example of that here in Luke 2.39. It says, so when they had performed all things... Listen to that. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Which means all the things that the Lord prescribed that needed to be done when the child was born, as far as the, uh, the, the offering that was offered and uh, uh, circumcision and, and everything that the Lord said to do, they performed all things according to the law of the Lord. Now, Mary, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, happened to be at an event, and Jesus was at the same event. Who knows what I'm talking about? This was called the wedding feast at Cana in Galilee. And so what happens? They're having a wedding reception, and <laughs> they ran out of wine, and Jesus, according to what John wrote there in John chapter 2, had not yet done a, uh, uh, performed a miracle. Not yet performed a miracle. And uh, so Mary, the mother of Jesus, comes on over and says, hey, uh, you know that uh, they don't have any more wine. And of course, you know, something like that, it's kind of like, you know, you, you go to the buffet and they run out of food, you know. It's kind of like the year we went to the men's breakfast that, that we uh, like to have at a certain restaurant, and they ran out of home fries for breakfast, run out of home fries. Oh, Jesus. I mean, you know, for, for me, I mean, that's, that's bad news. I, I Don't mess with my home fries. I'm the spud stud, you know what I mean? I, give me my home fries. But, but, but uh, uh, you, you know, the, the, they, they actually had to replace them with French fries. You don't have French fries with breakfast. You have French fries with lunch. You have home fries with breakfast. Don't get me started. Pastor Mike remembers that too. He's not here, but he'd be, he'd be waving. He'd be my witness. Um, but but, but here's, here's the thing. This is a very serious thing. So she's bringing up the situation to Jesus and Jesus, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, it sounds disrespectful, but he's not being disrespectful. He said, what do, what do I have to do with you and with all this? It's not my time yet. My hour's not yet come. But you know what? Mama just goes over to the guys and says this statement, one of the most amazing statements in Scripture. John chapter 2, verse 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Do you want to obey thoroughly? This is how. Whatever he says to you, 
do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. And in the resounding words of the founding pastor of this house, I say that if you do it, it'll work. And if you don't, it won't. So obey immediately and obey thoroughly. Yeah, we see this. And how about this? Stick with the plan even when you don't fully get it. Stick with the plan when it doesn't always compute right away. You know, it's amazing. You know, we, we, we picture, you know, Joseph and Mary and so many other uh, Bible characters with their shining lights and halos and all that stuff. But the reality is that these were ordinary people called by God with an extraordinary calling. Not different from you and I. The prophet Elijah, James goes out of his way in describing the prophet Elijah in James chapter 5 and calls him a man of like passions like us. Not big time prophet, false prophet slayer on the mountaintop. Boom. No, describes him as a man with passions, like passions just as we got, which means he's, sometimes he's a mess. And if you read his story, sometimes he was a mess. Sometimes he was, you know, king of the world one day and, and running from a girl the next day. No, no, nothing against the girls. So, so some girls are tough. You, you need to run from some girls, you know? <laughs> But I was just uh, uh, putting that out there that, that it's so important for us to realize that when we look at these two wonderful examples of faith and obedience in the Scripture, that we're not saying, but that was Joseph and Mary, and this is just little old me. No, we can do it. We can walk the same walk and obey in the same way and in the same fashion with the same diligence as they did. Because the God who enabled them and helped them to fulfill what they were called to do is the very same God who is helping and enabling to you to do what you are called to do. Hallelujah, somebody. I'm preaching better than you are saying amen right now. All right. So stick with the plan even when you don't fully get it. And there's a few times where they just didn't quite get it. Look at Luke 2.33. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. I mean, they looked at each other and it's like, had a moment of, wow, what did we get ourselves into? <laughs> are, are, are we actually being called here to, to raise the Son of God? We better not blow it, girl, you know? <laughs> uh, a moment of, of standing and, and marvel and wonder at, at, at the, the, the words spoken and the responsibility given to them. Look in the same chapter, Luke chapter 2 and verse 50. 
But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And you know when that happened, that happened to them when Jesus was 12 years old. And they thought Jesus was with the family as they left Jerusalem, but Jesus wasn't with the family. He was still hanging out with the, the, the teachers and the doctors of the law in the temple. And, and, and so they realized after being gone a few days, you know, Jesus ain't with us. We just lost God the Son. Oh my, what a feeling that was, you know. And then so <laughs> they're going back to the temple to find Jesus. And... and said, son, we've been looking for you all over the place. And Jesus said, well, didn't y'all know that I would be in my father's house and about my father's business? And, and then that verse, verse uh, 50 of Luke 2, after he uttered those words, I said, they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. But you know what? Even when they did not understand the statement and even when they marveled and wondered about some things, it did not deter them from the assignment. You don't always know every little detail. You don't always get the full picture. You know, one thing that God spoke to my beautiful wife and I is the words of Psalm seventy-seven, nineteen. Out of the New Living Translation. I did not give that to the sound booth tonight. I just want to read it to you. And this is a description of the people of Israel going through the Red Sea. Listen to this. Your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters. A pathway no one knew was there. Now, (laughs) can somebody relate? You know... It's like, uh, okay, if I'm going to go ahead and design a path, it's going to be nice and straight and perfectly cut. You know, the the, the, the bushes aren't going to go ahead and be hanging in. You know, every cobblestone on the path is going to be perfectly in place. And, and, and I mean, just, just as smooth as can be. And, and, and then you find yourself going through life and say, oh, am I still on the path? Oh, Lord, is this the path? Because, you know, it don't look like we're in Kansas anymore. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, something's up here. But, but, but the thing is, is that these Israelites were on the path. Where, uh, they had the path right in front of them and didn't even realize it. God had to open up the waters. <laughs> and then they realized the path was there. But, but your journey in life, the path that God's called you on, sometimes... Uh, sometimes you're just feeling real good and say, praise the Lord, everything's going good. Hallelujah. And sometimes, oh Lord, help, help now, help now, Lord. But, but the thing is, is that even at those times where the path is not real obvious, if you're following the peace of God and following the word of God and following the impressions of the spirit of God inside of you, and you've been doing that, you can still know that you're on the path when it don't look like a path, when it don't feel like a path, when it's like, are, are you sure about this? Because God sent these people on a pathway that nobody knew was there. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And there are times. Yeah, I know you know. So, so that, that, that's very important. You're sticking with the plan, even when you're not fully getting it. And also you're sticking with the plan, 
even when it looks like it's going to cost you. This is very important. You know, remember we read in the beginning that Joseph was a just man. And because he was a just man, rather than having Mary stoned or making a, a big display over her being pregnant, he was uh, minded, the scripture says, to, to put her away privately. But the thing is, is that when he heard what the angel said and made the decision to obey that angel and to take her as his wife, well, then the very same, shall we say, um, controversy <laughs> that, that at first belonged just to Mary, he didn't just marry the girl, he married the controversy too. Do you know what I'm saying? Because now people in their minds are going to say, all right, well, either he was the one who impregnated her before they got married, or somebody else did it, and he went and married her anyway. And one of two ways, people are going to say, what's up with him? So he married into a controversy in a sense. But, he did not care about what that might cost him because he was obeying God. And was there a controversy? Well, let me tell you this. In John the 8th chapter, the religious leaders of that day talking to Jesus say, hey, we weren't born of fornication. Talking to Jesus as though they were putting a little dig towards Jesus. Say, yeah, yeah, we, we, we were born. See, we, we had a, a, a mama and a daddy and everything was straight in our house. Now, how you got here? Mm-hmm, that's pretty questionable. You can see that. It's a John 8, uh, what verse? 41. They said, we weren't born of fornication. As, as though they were, you know, making a dig at Jesus. So, was there a controversy? Yeah. Did he get himself into a controversy? Yeah. But hey, who talking about the controversy now? Who been talking about the controversy for the last 2,000 years of human history? Glory to God. It paid to obey. I said it paid to obey. And it'll pay for you to obey too. Praise his holy name. And also, a big part of this is walking in patience. Oh, Lord. You had to bring up that word. You can see patience in a very real and practical way. You know, can, can we talk tonight? Is that all right? All right. I think we've all grown up, grown up enough to handle this, all right? Matthew 1, 24 through 25. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Now look at verse 25. And did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. So Mary 
conceived Jesus by the Holy Ghost without any involvement of any man in the process. That's what we call the virgin birth. Hallelujah. And thank God for it. That was God's means of bringing his seed into the world without the mess of the world getting connected to him. Hallelujah. God is an absolute genius. Praise his holy name. But you see, we see something here. Because the scripture says, Isaiah prophesied it, that a virgin would conceive and bear a son. A virgin would conceive and bear a son. So, so based on the wording of what Isaiah said, it's not just that she was a virgin when she conceived, it's that she was also a virgin when she bore the son. Isaiah 7.14 is the reference for that. And so, a husband, when he gets married, would like to know his wife. Now, this is not getting to know you. You know, it's, it's, it's not getting to know somebody in the way we've often thought about it. This goes back to the way that the word was used in the Old Testament. And I'll give you a hint. The Bible says... Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived. Well, that, that kind of knowing was not a good conversation. That kind of knowing was intimacy between husband and wife. So Joseph, even though Mary was now his wife, still had enough patience to allow the rest of the prophetic process that God set in place to go ahead and transpire. And he did not know her. He was not intimate with her until after Jesus was born. The scripture says it. That's something about patience. Now you can apply that all over the place, praise God. You can apply that to this very thing because I do believe people should be patient and should not eat the fruit before you're allowed to eat the fruit. Praise God, somebody. Hallelujah. I'm glad that's the way that my girl and I did it. Hallelujah. Can we talk? We can talk. It's all right. It's called patience. It's called not saying I want what I want now and I'm going to go ahead and take it now because I want it now. No. Patience. Sometimes hold on real tight and be patient. Help, Lord. But patience. But glory to God, when you get to the other side of something and you know you've honored God and done something right, praise God what a blessing that is. Patience is worth it. Doing it God's way is worth it. Letting a, a, a process fully take its course is worth it. Stay patient. The scripture says that through faith and patience, you will inherit the promises. Hallelujah. You know, uh, bottom line, and you know, we, we've said this already, but, but just to say it a different way, bottom line, you just got to believe what's spoken. Believe what's spoken. That's, that's what they did. They had something spoken to them. Something amazing and awesome and far out spoken to them. But they had something spoken to them, and they believed it. Luke 1, verse 38. 
Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Don't you love that? Let it be to me according to your word. Look at verse 45. Now, if I remember correctly, let's see. Somebody got the Bible open? Honey, you got your Bible open there? Did Elizabeth say that? Verse 45? Is that the words of Elizabeth? Thought so. This is the words of Elizabeth. When Mary went to visit her, said this very thing to Mary. Blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So hearing these things and believing these things results in the fulfillment of those things. So can you say it with me? Hearing those things and then believing those things results in the fulfillment of those things. Now, one thing about believing is you can't just say, oh yeah, I believe it. But then if you get an instruction to do something, you don't do it. Because faith is an act. You can't say, I believe and not do what you're told to do. If you say, I believe and you really do believe, you do what you're told to do. So therefore, the implication in the believing is that the believing and the acting or the obeying, they're married together. They're inseparable. I mean, you cannot unscramble the egg, somebody. They are stuck together. So now, one of what I consider, and, I, and I, I'm not trying to be flashy about this, but, but what I'm about to get into here, I believe it's one of the greatest insights that I've ever had in the Bible. And it very simply has to do with the idea of God speaking a word and what you do with that word that keeps you steady all the way until the point where you see it come to pass. And I call it... I, I, I just got this today. You know, I mean, uh, you, you know, it, it's the, the inside is something that I've seen years back. But, but the, the approach to it today, I call it understanding the value of the stored sword. Stored, S-T-O-R-E-D, something you're, you're storing or put in storage. And then the word sword, S-W-O-R-D. Understanding the value of the stored sword. Now, you might think, what on earth is that? Well, let's take a look. Luke 2, verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. All the things that were said and all the things that were done, she didn't let them go. She pondered them and kept them in her heart. She put them in storage. Hey, all right. Then he went down, verse 51, Luke 2. 
Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. So Mary's got some storage going on. See that? She's keeping these things. And it's interesting, just to drop this on you, how many of you have ever heard of a Greek word called rhema? You ever heard of that? It's a word that, that's commonly used. You've, you've got the, wor- the word logos, which is also a Greek word for word, but when it's specifically talking about spoken word, the, the Greek language in the, in the New Testament uses the word rhema. Now, if we can go ahead and go back to Luke 2.19, and we're talking about the value of having a storage sword. <laughs> but Mary kept all these rhema and pondered them in her heart. That word, in the New King James, it's things, but the Greek word there is the word rhema. Mary kept all these rhema and pondered them in her heart. So she's keeping rhema in storage. Verse 51. Then he went down with them, came to Nazareth, was subject to them, but his mother kept all these rhema in her heart. All right? Now you, you staying with me? Okay. So, so she's keeping these things stored, keeping these things in her heart. And, and these things, according to both of these verses, it uses the Greek word rhema. Well, isn't that what you're supposed to do with the word? If you look back in the Old Testament, Psalm 119, verse 11, it says, Your word I have treasured and stored in my heart that I may not sin against you. Isn't that right? How about this? This is Proverbs 7, 1 in the Amplified Classic Translation. And it says, My son, keep my words Lay up within you my commandments for use when needed and treasure them. How about that? You know, you're you getting a word from God and say, I don't know when I might need this, but I'm going to go ahead and keep it for when I do need it. For use when needed. Don't you like that? That's, that's, that's great. Now, You say, all right, well, where's the sword part coming in? Well, we're about there. So, so we got this, that there's value in having a stored sword, a sword in your storage. And we see here that Mary, the, the things that she heard and the things that she witnessed, she took all that, what the Bible calls rhema, and she stored it in her heart. And we see that that is just what you're supposed to do with the word. We got two witnesses from the Old Testament that say, yep, when you get the word, this is what you do. You store it. You lay it up just for when you're going to need it. Now, part of the Christmas story, part of the whole idea of what happened with Joseph and Mary, Luke chapter 2, we're going to see the words of Simeon, who was a, an old man that God made a promise to, said, you're not going to die till you get to see the, the, the Christ. 
And Simeon spoke these words. He said, he blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel for a sign which will be spoken against. Continue. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So Simeon, speaking prophetically, tells Mary that a sword is going to pierce through her own soul. Do you think that that might have something to do with the fact that she would be down there at the foot of the cross one day looking up at her son hanging there? I don't think that we have to go stretch our imagination too far to, to be able to apply that moment of a sword piercing through a mother's soul than for her to see her own son, her perfect, innocent, blameless son in such a condition. So that's the sword that comes against her. But we are trying to get to this point of her having a stored in swords. This, these things that she's been storing, is that a sword? Well, what was she storing? Well, she was storing that Greek word rhema, right? She took this rhema and stored it in her, in her heart. She took this rhema and pondered it, kept it in her heart. Now look at Ephesians 6, and we're going to go ahead and connect some dots. So Ephesians 6 says this, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God. Woo! The rhema of God. The spoken word of God is the sword of the spirit, which means every word that was spoken to Mary about Jesus, like this is he who will sit on David's throne and of his kingdom there won't be an end. Yep, stored that one. <laughs> all the things spoken, all the things said, all of those circumstances, stored it, put it in storage. The sword of the Spirit is the rhema of God. So, Mary is being prophesied to that she's got a sword coming against her. But she already had a sword in storage that was bigger and greater and more effective and more powerful than the sword that was being used against her. Oh, somebody better get it tonight. Hallelujah. So the bottom line is this. That the sword of the Spirit is the rhema of God. What Mary kept in storage was the rhema of God. And that was her sword. Because when, when God speaks, when, when, when prophetically God speaks to someone, which in this case, you can very, very clearly see that. You know, words spoken about who Jesus was, who Jesus was, uh, uh, what he would accomplish. His name itself describes what he'd accomplish, which is salvation. But all these things spoken 
What's the purpose of God speaking these things? What's the purpose of the the words that God's illuminated to you along the way and planted inside of you along the way and spoken either through a, a, a minister preaching the word or somebody who's divinely Holy Ghost inspired and speaks by the spirit of prophecy to you? What, what, what's this all about? Why, why am I getting this? Well, the, there's good news and, and bad news. The, the good news is God's talking to you. But the bad news, the reason why God's talking to you about these things is that there's war ahead. And so he's arming you with the sword that you need to, to go ahead and beat that sword that'll be coming against you. The words of Paul in 1 Timothy 1.18. Check this out. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, by those prophecies, by those spoken words, you may wage the good warfare. Someone say, Woo! I want a word, give me a word, give me a word. And then when you realize that word means warfare, you say, well, I don't know if I want a word now. But, but here's the thing. Yes, you do want the word because your weapon is bigger than his weapon. Hallelujah. Your weapon is more powerful than his. Your weapon is more effective than his. You know, I think of that funny little line. My man Jordan, I'll see you out there tonight. This is for you, Jordan. I think of that funny little line from an old movie, Crocodile Dundee. You know, he's in New York City, and, and some little hoodlum comes up to him and wants to rob him. You know, have that little switchblade? He said, you call that a knife? And then he reaches, and he gets that, that big old Australian, what is it, bolo knife? Is that what they call it? And brings that out. He said, no, that's a knife. You know, I always get that picture because the, the, the sword we got is bigger than the sword that's coming against you. Yeah, Mary had a sword come against her. It pierced her soul when she stood at the foot of the cross in front of her perfect son dying there. But I believe at that very moment, there was the resurrection of some things that she had pondered all along and kept in storage all along. You know, the sword in storage? Yeah. And it was in there for such a moment of that. She said, it looks like it's ending this way, but it can't end this way. It's not possible that it end this way because an angel said to me that of his kingdom there would be no end this looks like an end but it can't be an end because the word said there won't be an end hallelujah Woo-wee. I'm going to go play the organ on myself right now so preach it man hallelujah yeah so you see, when you, get, when you get that word, you see, God's getting you into position. But if God's getting you, into, getting you into position for something, you know that if he's getting you into position, you got to expect some up position. Oh yeah. Well, we rhyming now, y'all. Come on. So, so if God's getting you into position to get something, Expect some opposition. 
you got to expect some opposition during your transition into your new position. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm flowing now. Look out. Expect some opposition during your transition into your new position. If God's getting you somewhere and God is getting you somewhere, you know that that will not go unchallenged. Hallelujah. But you do what Mary did. All those words that God spoke to you along the way, you storm. You keep them in storage. Like we read, Proverbs 7, 1 in the Amplified, it said, for use when needed. And when that time comes, say all those things spoken and all those things that were planted, it's for this very moment in time. And I'm not going to go ahead and cave in even though the sword is coming against me. I'm going to say, that all you got? That all you got? Take a look at what I got. And then you boldly speak the word that God planted in your heart. Boldly speak the word that you've held in storage for all those years. I mean, it was just marinating in the crockpot, somebody. Yeah, for such a time as this. And then when you go ahead and utter that word at that moment in time, at that right moment, for use when needed and now it's needed and here it comes. And glory to God, that sword that comes out of your mouth is going to go ahead and beat that other sword that's coming against you. And guess what? The devil loses, God wins, and because God wins, you win. Whew. Hallelujah. And if you ever wondered, are my weapons really superior? Ponder these verses. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. I know I didn't give these to the back, but I'll give them to you anyhow. You can write them down. As a matter of fact, I need to send my notes to the media department so y'all can have access to the notes. It's all there. But 2 Corinthians, oh, you're quick. You go, girl. For, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. You've got mighty weapons. I said, you've got mighty weapons. I said, you've got mighty weapons. Your gun's bigger than his gun. Come on. And never forget David's response to Goliath when Goliath was coming with all his stuff and all his equipment. <laughs> you come at me with a sword and with a spear. But I come against you in the name of the God whose armies you defied today. Your weapon is bigger than the enemy's weapon. That's the way the story ended for Mary. And I do believe she had a happy ending. Because that was not the way the story ended. That son of hers who was on the cross was raised from the dead ascended to heaven and is now sitting on the right hand of the throne of God as alive as he could ever be today, making intercession for me and you. Sitting on David's throne, just like it was prophesied. Who got the last laugh? <laughs> Glory to God. I believe that if you get a hold of the spirit of this, that it's going to make a big difference in your life. 
and you won't treat the word the same. Because you might say, well, yep, 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 amen, yep, heard that, yep. It's kind of like, yeah, I had mashed potatoes in 89, and then, yep, broccoli had that in 92, and you know, no, no, you don't, you don't do that. You had broccoli before you eat broccoli again. You, you, you know, you, you, you had your veggies before you eat your veggies again. You don't say, I don't need that anymore because I heard it before. As a matter of fact, when something keeps on coming to you and coming to you and you hear it over and over and over again, that's when you pay attention more, not less. Oh, that's for somebody. God's messing with you right now. Mm. Glory to God. God's messing with somebody tonight. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we better stop right there. Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah. Glory, glory, glory to God. Yeah, Lord, you do whatever you need to do. Go ahead. You don't need me to do that. You got this. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we just honor and reverence you. We reverence your word. And Lord, we're going to go ahead and treat your word in the same way Mary treated your word. Always pondering it in our heart. Always holding on to it and keeping it in storage. Treating it as a precious thing that needs to be put in storage and safeguarded. Thank you, Lord, that as we do it. (laughs) Yeah, as we do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to go ahead and win in this battle. Glory be to God. And the weapon that comes against us is nothing compared to the weapons that we have that are mighty in you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hey, if you're here tonight, and bottom line is that you're just not sure.